Welcome to the Seventh Art Podcast. My name is Christopher Heron, and I'm the host of the Seventh Art. It's a podcast about cinema, and it's also a video magazine about cinema that you can find at www.theseventhart.org. We're going to talk to filmmakers behind the controversial documentary after Tiller, Martha Shane and Lana Wilson. This interview is conducted by our friend Kiva Reardon, a Toronto film critic who is also the editor of a journal for film and feminism called Cleo that you can read at cleojournal.com. That's C-L-E-O journal.com. She talks with Martha and Lana about the controversial subject of third trimester abortions. Dr. George Tiller was one of the few practitioners of this in the United States and the documentaries about his assassination. There are currently only four doctors that practice third trimester abortions, and the film talks to each of them. Martha and Lana were nice enough to, to sit down with us at Hot Docs 2013, where Kiva talked to them about the misunderstood topic, um, their methodology in tackling the subject, and the two co-directors' relationship with the women featured in the film. It's a fascinating conversation for a fascinating film. Enjoy. <laughs> I was actually watching interviews before, and I was like, okay, I have to make sure I get this all straight. No but worries, um, no so you've worries. done films before then, and then, or is it the inverse? I was a little interested about well, your, your collaboration. Has, yeah. Martha yeah. Has, okay, but it was yeah. you came up with the idea for right. the documentary, though, right? right? So yeah. I was wondering if you talk a bit about how that yeah, all sure. worked out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I came up with the idea. I wasn't a filmmaker. I was a curator for an arts festival. And I was just watching the news after Dr. Tiller's death and was really shocked by what had happened, but also just frustrated by the media coverage of his death. It was just, they would always say, a controversial doctor has been killed, and they would get a talking point from each side of the issue, and that was about it. And I was so frustrated that they weren't giving even the most basic biographical information about this man. It was just a very hands-off treatment. And I just wondered, you know, he was killed in a church. Isn't that surprising that the number one villain of the anti-abortion movement was deeply religious, was killed in his own church? And then he'd been shot before. And I thought, you know, why would someone go back to work after being shot? Like, why, why would you give up so much to do this work where you're vilified by so many people? And then wondering now that he's gone, like, who's left to keep doing this work? You know, is there anyone left? What are their lives like as the focal point of so much anti-abortion pressure and harassment. And so, yeah, I had the idea. Wasn't a filmmaker friend said, I was like, someone should make a documentary on Tiller. And then I was just like, I should make a documentary on Tiller. Like, I should do it on the present day people. And a very wise friend, I was kind of saying, oh, but I can't do it. I don't want to make a film. And he was like, well, the only thing stopping you from being a filmmaker is just making a film. And I luckily had this wonderful friend, Martha, who'd been working in documentaries since college. And it just seemed like the perfect chance to, to collaborate. So I asked her if she would collaborate with me on the film. 
So yeah, I had been working in documentary. I produced a documentary that looked at um, bisexuality in America, and then I've been doing a bunch of sort of freelance work that had to do with healthcare um, and similar issues. And so yeah, it seemed like a natural collaboration. And I just, you know, I thought it was such a brilliant idea for a film, just because, you know, I, I was shocked, like most people to learn that there are only four doctors in the country, in a country the size of the US, that are, will openly perform this procedure, and why are there so few people, and what are the reasons why women are seeking these later abortions? Um, yeah, so it just seemed like a really rich subject for a film. Right. And the timing, I think, was interesting, too. I guess not mm -hmm. lucked out in terms of how awful 2012 mm. was in terms of the right. discussion around mm -hmm. the abortion debate and legitimate rape and Romney's yeah. campaign and everything in 2012. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm interested, I think we're you know, roughly the same age. Did you find that there's now, in the same way that people think you know, feminism is passe, it's mm -hmm. been done, that there's that idea around the abortion debate as well, that you know, the battle's been fought, what's mm -hmm. there to actually talk about anymore? Yeah, well there, there definitely mm -hmm. is a generational split. And yeah, we're 29. You know, we were born, when we were born, Roe versus Wade had been passed and we've grown up, you know, from relatively privileged backgrounds where we could have access to contraception and abortion if we needed it. It has always seemed like something you could always get. But, you know, that's not true in a lot of the country and it's not true for lower income women a lot of the time. So it's, it's different everywhere. But we have noticed that a lot of younger women are really judgmental of women seeking abortions. And that's statistically true, too that younger women tend to say, why is she getting an abortion? What, she didn't have contraception? Or what was the reason? And the interesting thing about third trimester abortions is that a lot of the cases you see have nothing to do with that. You know, they're, they're fetal anomalies in the pregnancy or they're victims of rape. They're, they're things that fall outside of the typical think, reasons you think that someone might need an abortion. So we hope that by showing these stories and these circumstances that you could just never possibly imagine, that it will help, it will help kind of open the eyes of especially that younger generation to realizing you know, circumstances can develop that I could never possibly imagine or think that I'd find myself in, but sometimes these situations do come up, so. Yeah, that's good. That's <laughs> no, she's, she's got it. <laughs> she, we, we can just, yeah. Well, now you, I, <laughs> just did it. You can sit through the rest of it. Yeah, 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 she's got it, nailed it. She's got Perfect. it. <laughs> True. We sort of like, yeah. True. I would have said the same thing. Yeah. Well, it seems like a, it happened to be a good collaboration then. There's yeah, this. we have a mind yeah. melt. A mind yeah. melt, yeah. <laughs> can be like the Coen brothers and then just we start. Yes. Just say, finish each other's Yeah, no one not even yeah, distinguish exactly. us anymore. Exactly, no. yeah, apparently <laughs> not even me. <laughs> just hacking it up. Well, um, so we're making that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess I was interested too then because there is this, you know, this idea that it's, you know, the battle's been fought, whatever, right. then mm -hmm. to focus on third trimester abortion. Mm -hmm. um, what if you could talk about that decision, I mm -hmm. suppose? Yeah. I mean, in some ways, it was sort of a random thing because we started out with the interest in Dr. Tiller and um, wanting to understand, you know, wanting to find who else was doing this work. And we didn't know a lot about third trimester abortion at the time. We didn't, you know, it's less than 1% of abortions in America. And so it's, it's not something, even people who are extremely pro-choice know very, very little about it. So that was one of the most interesting things about making the film was just finding out how different it is, I think, than um, most earlier abortions in the sense that, as you see in the film, a lot of these um, 
pregnancies or wanted pregnancies and they find out really late that there's something devastatingly wrong with the fetus and so it's really more of a you know as a parenting decision it's about um, trying to decide if you want to bring a child into the world that's going to really suffer and um, so that was really made it you know so much more complicated and um, and also sort of you know we, we found that the women who are coming for third trimester abortions were because um, because they were either wanted pregnancies or they were women who are trying to abort because they they've been trying for ages to get an abortion and couldn't but we found that they were just a really diverse group of women in terms of their political views their religious views they weren't sort of like the dyed in the wool liberals that you might expect to find at a clinic like that they're really coming from a variety of backgrounds so i think for us um yeah, it was a real learning experience to find out what third trimester abortion is all about and how different it is. And sorry, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. <that's laughs> no, I wasn't sure if you were gonna. Oh no. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I was interested then as well in terms of approaching your subject, and I'd like to return to the women who are in the clinic as well. Mm -hmm. But the four doctors who are profiled as well. Mm -hmm. um, in approaching them, was there any sort of uh, reticence on their part to partake? Because it is, um, and you've seen the documentary, their lives are very much at risk in performing yeah. these procedures. Yeah, there was. The two, there are four subjects, two men and two women, and the two men agreed very quickly. They were more public figures. They'd been on news programs before. You know, they appeared on CNN after Dr. Tiller's death. So they were more out there and comfortable with that. So they signed on pretty quickly. The women, it took almost a year to agree, to convince them to be in the movie, partly because Dr. Tiller never did interviews. That was his policy, and they trained as Dr. Tiller. And, you know, for him, it was like, it's not about me, it's about the patients. But then the problem that came up over the years is that while well, the anti-abortion movement is making this completely about the doctors, they're vilifying the doctors, that's their target, that's their goal, and if there's a vacuum of information about someone, if you don't see who someone is, then whatever information is put out there, that's, that's all there is to it, you know? So we put it to them as, you know, this is a chance, we want to tell your story, we want to give you a voice here, we don't think anyone knows the perspective of abortion providers very well. And a year later, they, they did do one interview on a, on a television show where did, they didn't get a lot of blowback from protesters. They felt more comfortable with that. And they also thought, you know, this is the chance to tell our stories. And we also, we don't, they didn't want only men as the abortion providers in our movie as well. And we're really thrilled that they did decide to be a part of the movie because they're so essential. You saw it. They're, they're, you know, they're really essential, and I, we can't even imagine now what the movie would have been like without them. And also just that these are the only four. There are four doctors in the country. To, you know, it's so important to get to have all of them in the movie since they're the last four. Mm -hmm. Some of the most powerful scenes, too, are in, involved the two female doctors mm -hmm. during the counseling sessions. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm interested how you were able to get that footage, even, mm -hmm. um, of, yeah, these women yeah, the counseling sessions of talking about why they're going through with the procedure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was mostly um, due to just the really close collaboration that we had with the doctors and the counselors in the clinic, because they were the ones who first would introduce the idea and just explain, there are these filmmakers here, don't be afraid, they're not going to film you unless they have your like express permission, and they would just explain a little bit about why we wanted to make this film. And I think a lot of the, the patients who did agree, I mean, it was a lot of waiting for someone to agree to be on camera. So we spent a lot of time just sort of hanging out in the clinic waiting for something to happen. But um, when they did agree, it was mostly because they felt like 
these stories just haven't been heard before. No one understands why I'm here seeking a third trimester abortion. So um, it was just wanting to get those stories out there, but at the same time, the majority of patients we talked to didn't want to have their privacy compromised. They wanted to be able to go home to their communities and, and you know, not have to explain to people later on, not have that story be totally out in the open. So we found that the, um, the just showing the hands and the feet was incredibly sort of emotionally expressive. Um, and so we were able to, to just use that and Hopefully it worked pretty well, but yeah, it was really the collaboration um, with the uh, with the doctors and counselors that made it possible for us to find those patients who did want to tell their stories. Yeah, and we tried to, when we were in the room, mm -hmm. we just made ourselves literally as small as possible. Crouching in the corner, flattened against the wall, you know, it was just us and a cinematographer and one of us would do sound. and. You know, it was hard because these women are going through some of the most difficult experiences of their lives and this real emotional challenge. We didn't want to interfere with their emotional process, but I think that because their stories were so wrenching that I think they really did forget about us being in the room, you know, because they were so absorbed in this and this was so difficult that I don't think we did intrude. And if anything, a couple of them said to us, you know, it was nice to have someone else to tell this story to. It's that kind of relief of the confession, you know? So um, I think that. If anything, it was it was helpful to have us there for most of the women who we filmed with. And I'm glad you brought up as well the you know, filming of hands or even you know just like mm -hmm. feet crossing mm -hmm. something like that because I assumed it was partly necessity that they said you know they can't have their faces shown, mm -hmm. but that is mm -hmm. also it is a very uh, it is extremely powerful and makes an interesting juxtaposition between these stories being so individual but at the same time because there is no one face to it, mm -hmm. universal right, as well. Right. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if you could talk a bit about that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was just really a process of experimentation. You know, we filmed in a couple different sort of styles. Um, at first, when we were filming patients and obscuring their identities, and then um, we had a cinematographer, Hilary Sparrow, who came on board, and she really helped us develop that style. We started, you know, we started shooting just really only hands and and just having the you know sort of the side of the face and the doctor there um and and we just realized that that we sort of initially immediately realized that that was the most powerful way and i think also you know there's a lot of power to seeing the women who you know are pregnant that you can see that they're visibly pregnant and they're talking about you know this what this pregnancy means to them and um I think there's a lot of power to that, to seeing, to actually seeing their their pregnancy books and and um, and just yeah, hands and <laughs> the hands were really expressive. There's yeah. just they're going through so much, and you can really tell that from all of their body language. Yeah, because I feel like if it would have been you know like a 60 minute blur out voice <laughs> alteration oh, thing, yeah, would have really you know, the blur out. What that. does that imply? It implies you know that you're a criminal. Basically, I right, mean, and yeah. that's so often how abortion providers are portrayed too. You think of the abortion doctor, and they're always they're in the shadows, mm -hmm. or their face is blurred out, or their their identity is hidden, and that was so central to this, you know, pulling back a curtain and shining a light on this incredibly secretive, stigmatized thing. So yeah, having blur outs would have <laughs> had the opposite effect. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And I think I when I was watching it as well, I had the exact same. Uh, you know, use the metaphor of, yeah, I was pulling back a curtain on yeah. this. And as much as it is a profile of the doctors, it's also a profile of, um, of a physical space as mm. well. And uh, I guess, the, and that's, you know, largely a lot of the film is shot in abortion clinics mm -hmm. as well, which is a space people don't normally see. 
um, right, many right. people don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was hard, you know, a lot of credit again to our cinematographer on this because we were like, okay, we're going to be in the clinics a lot. It's a little claustrophobic. You're always indoors. You know, it's a medical office. How can we make this look filmic? She used these vintage uh, lenses that gave her this beautiful filmic quality. We had a 35 millimeter adapter on the camera the whole time. And yeah, it is the kind of, I, I love in the film, one patient says that it was shocking to her how all these protesters are screaming outside the clinic and then she comes in in such a warm, loving place. And I think that is, I, I guess, a little bit surprising, you know, just the degree of how warm it is and how people treat the patients there with such respect and kindness. It's just not way beyond what you'd ever expect. So. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just agreeing again. <laughs> <laughs> and how long did you actually, uh, and I'm assuming you started then researching and planning in 2009 when Dr. Mm-hmm. Schiller was assassinated. How mm-hmm. long did you actually um, film for? What was the duration of the project? Mm-hmm. It was, let's see, we started in March. I th- well, it was early to 2010 that we started, that we met the doctors and the two male doctors first and then about a year later we met the female doctors in person for the first time but um so we were probably you know we probably spent about 12 weeks in the clinic we think in the clinics we think and then um and then more time just filming with the protesters and other things like that a lot of people have said wow you must have spent so much time trying to find like these patients with such compelling stories and um well it's true that we spent a lot of time waiting for patients to for someone to want to be in the film. We actually, you know, those patients are very representative of the patients at large. I mean, those were, that's a random sampling of patients who are there, people like that are there at the clinics every single week. So it's not, you know, they're not like cherry picked in any way. The, the, these are fairly typical stories that the, that the clinics see every, every week. I mean, this is going to, it's not an equivalent at all, but what I was thinking of when watching, um, going through the process of, of having to turn down some of these women, yeah. and I was wondering if there was ever that pain of you having to cut a story that you really thought would be in that, did that yeah. end all? Or? Yeah, I mean, you know, we never, this is one of those movies we never had a like four hour cut or something. I think it was pretty clear what content we wanted to be in the movie, and there, there were definitely the patients we didn't include in the film. Actually, finding a way to introduce these patients' stories in a way that didn't make the audience incredibly judgmental and against them right from the get-go, because that is actually incredibly challenging, because people all bring their own personal experience, and everyone's thinking, what would I do in this situation? So we eventually structured the film in the way that starts with the patient cases that are the most easy to understand. So you get over that initial fear that a lot of people have of third trimester abortion, just of the subject by being like, okay, I can at least understand this one case. And then over the course of the film, the cases get more and more complicated and more and more uh, ethically gray. So until towards the end, you're, so you're really pushed to go further and further and think about it more and more as you go throughout the film is what we found to, to work the best in the end. I mean, I think that there's always going, you know, we, we worked really hard to make sure that the cases were sort of representative of what's really happening at the clinic. And I think, I mean, I think the only thing you see an email in the film, that's the story of a young, young woman who um, is pregnant for the second time and, you know, very late and talks about having sort of um, feeling like she may try to commit suicide or hurt herself or abort herself if she can't get this abortion done. And I think that's 
So that's sort of the only case that we, we, you know, the email is a great representation of it, but those cases are so, so sensitive that it was not really possible for us to find someone like that who wanted to be on camera in the film. Um, but I think, you know, we were able with, with the email and just reading that story to be able to pretty create a pretty good cross-section of the reasons why people come to the clinic. And it gets touched on the issue of morality, obviously, which mm -hmm. is going to factor into it. And uh, I think you summarized it perfectly of how beginning with something that's um, yeah, easy to digest and then moving through to something that is more mm -hmm. morally ambiguous. And one of the doctors says at one point, um, she doesn't refer to it as a fetus, she says it's, mm -hmm. it's a baby. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess I just was wondering about your choice then to, um, to make make it a moral issue, mm -hmm. um, which is something that not a lot in the, the pro-choice um, movement happens. So that's not yeah. something that normally happens. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's amazing in retrospect to look back at the talking points for the pro-choice and the anti-abortion sides of the issue, how, what are people arguing about? It's really a lot of abstract intellectual ideas, you know? It's this war of ideas and everyone's screaming at each other. It's incredibly polarizing. And then when you get into the clinic, when you meet these patients, those kind of abstract ideas and the, those polemical talking points have nothing to do with how they found themselves in this situation, why they're making this decision. You know, they're not arguing about where conceptually does life begin. You know, that isn't really the issue here. The issue is what's going on in this woman's life. Can she handle this pregnancy now? You know, um, that was amazing to us. And so, you know, in reality, the doctors know better than anyone that this issue is not black and white. It's incredibly gray, and they. We loved that they recognized that and they were so candid, as you mentioned, for example, in that scene with acknowledging their own personal uh, ambiguity around some of the stuff in this. That was so great because people come to us after the movie and say, I'm so grateful that that doctor acknowledged this about it, you know, that she thinks of them as babies. So this is different than early abortion because that's what everyone feels. And in order to understand this, you have to get someone who can see where you're coming from, accept that, but what are you thinking of? I'm thinking of where the woman's coming from, so that's why I'm doing, you know, whatever it is, it's so important to just, it was really important to us to embrace the ambiguity and the complexity here. And um, you, so this premiered at Sundance, mm -hmm. and you won a $5,000 grant from the oh. Women in Film yes. as well. Yeah. Con congratulations on that. So <laughs> funny, they, they announced us that we're giving you a grant. They gave us a huge cardboard <laughs> check. <laughs> we were, it was like we were on an incredible Pretty game awesome. show or something. Could you take that figure home? out? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they mailed it to us. I was going to say, yeah. is that carry-on? <laughs> so we're still trying to figure out where exactly it will look best. But, uh, <laughs> and do you have plans then for the actual concrete money that not just the where, wherever the phony check will hang or are you oh, working that money's yeah. long gone in like post-production right. costs unfortunately yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was, I figured that might be the case yeah. but is there anything else that you then plan on working on uh, are you plan on collaborating again because that seems yeah. to be working on yeah <laughs> well right now we're actually working on separate projects for oh. the future um, I'm just starting to research a project about marriage counseling in prison and, and I'm working I've been working for a little while on a film about um this French woman who ran uh, fraudulent film festivals and film distribution companies in the U.S. So, I'm um, yeah, that's still in progress. We're shooting a little bit more, and then post production. And One good thing about that. that grant, though, is that the woman who the woman who runs Women in Film gave us the check, and we did have to spend all the money on post production costs. But she made us swear that we would use <laughs> some of the money to each get a massage. We had to promise. <laughs> So we did get a massage out of this, which was really nice, a great reward at the end of yes. everything. So 
Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. No, not at all. And hopefully you can now make your screenings. I think that's what yes. I was told. Yeah, that you right. have to dirt off. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, guys. Really nice to meet you.